Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's Mike show. You might be mocking me or you might be staunchly agreeing with me. I can't tell. I'm mocking you. And the Bulldog. What is Fozzie Bear's role in this production? On WGR Sports Radio 550. <laughs> Glad to have you with us here on a Thursday. Nate Geary in for Mike Shope. I'm mocking I, I'm mocking you. Nate, Nate, is, Nate is uh, enjoying the, uh, the opens. I can't tell if you're staunchly defending me or mocking me. I'm mocking, I'm mocking you. you. It's like that is the perfect <laughs> voice for that. It's perfect. Uh, anyway, I'm Bulldog. That's Nate. Zach Jones here as well. Joe Goodberry on the Bengals and the NFL and uh, the offseason cycle coming your way at the bottom of the hour here. Normally we have a guest in this segment, so don't be, don't be distracted. It's just us here still hanging. 803-0550 is the number. It's a day... For, well, I mean, I don't know, I guess if you're in this kind of job, um, it can be a day to reminisce. There's some um, significant hockey events that took place on this day. Uh, today, we've got three of them. And they're, look, they're all not equals. I, I shouted to say earlier, I saw a sneaky Joe tweet that says somebody pushed back like, those all don't belong. Like, it's, we're not ranking them, all right? I mean, it's just, just telling you. Uh, like, it just happens, coincidentally. Terry Bagula bought this team um, back in, uh, 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 that was 11 years ago. Um, in 2007, 17 years ago, there was a famous brawl between the Sabres and the Senators. The Sabres used to be good, see? And in 2007, <laughs> they were... The Sabres used to be good, see? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what now. I'm going to tell you now what. Uh, sorry, I'll stop. Uh, I don't have yeah, that locked and loaded, ready to go. It's and good. I also, I'm not carrying a machine gun. Uh <laughs> Looky here, smart guy. So, it, you know, Sabres and Senators were, uh, I'm glad I stopped that when I did. They were, they, they were rivals. It was hot and cheap shot on the Sabres captain and brawl and just really good. The coaches are close to going at it. It's incredible, right? That happened 17 years ago today. 44 years ago today is Miracle on Ice. One of the most incredible sporting events of, like, ever. Uh, Certainly of my lifetime, easily. And very memorable. Uh, I'm the only one involved in the show here that can speak on it. I'll talk to Paul later on. (laughs) Paul was, Paul was, Paul was, Paul tried out for that team. 
That's Paul, Paul Hamilton, our Sabre Peak guy. Uh, we'll reminisce with him about that, too. I, I'll just squeeze this this in about about that because I know you guys, I, I'm not expecting you to go long on memories of Miracle on Ice, although maybe you could tell me about the movies. Great movie. If you want. Great movie. Um, but the and I was glad to see Sal today tweeting about the t the made for TV movie there there was a, a a different version of the movie made. Carl Malden played Herb Brooks. This is a long long time ago. Anyway, um, Miracle on Ice as 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 people my age will remember. A few things about it. A, this is hopefully pretty well known, but I'll say it anyway. It was not the gold medal game. They had to play uh, two days later, Sunday, against the Finns. Uh, thus, in the movie, you've seen the movie, you, you know, you lose to the bleeping Finns, you'll take it to your graves. Um, that's her Brooks before the gold medal game. So they're playing the Soviet Union on a Friday afternoon. The game is not on live TV. In the United States, ABC at the time is the Olympic station. This is Lake Placid, beautiful Lake Placid. And so the game is played at five o'clock. I believe it was aired on Canadian television. So we would have been able to watch it if we had wanted to. Uh, I don't remember watching it, but I remember knowing the result ahead of time. I don't remember how I might have just been watching Olympic coverage uh, and they said it um, or maybe I watched some of it on the CBC or the end of it. I, I don't I don't recall exactly how I knew, but I knew that that game had gone in favor of the U.S. And that was this, this huge upset. Um, I don't think at the time I realized how significant an upset it was, uh, but huge. Um, and so that night, it's a Friday night, as I remember. And we had some sort of a, I'm, I'm 14 years old. We had some sort of a school event, I think a school dance or something. And so we got a ride, like one of maybe my parents drove three or four of us from the neighborhood to West Seneca, West junior high on center road in West Seneca. And we went to our dance or whatever, and we get out and one of my buddy's dads is there to pick us up. And I can still remember his car, like a, a, red Pontiac Bonneville um, picks us up and sort of hurriedly is like, come on, come on, come on, come on, get in. It's intermission of the USA Russia game in the Olympics. And I don't remember. It's, it's close. It's close game or something is, is what he said. And I, I want, I want to get home to see the third period. I think so. I'm got second intermission is, is how I remember it. And I, I, again, I don't remember how or why I knew that the U S had won, all I know is that in this moment, as a 14-year-old piling into the back seat of this Pontiac Bonneville and my friend's dad saying, I can't, I, I, hurry up, I want to get back home to see the third period, USA and Russia are playing, I blurt out, we win. I just, I just, I, hey, you know, you know, we won that game. That didn't go over great. Oh. It didn't go over great. I, I, I don't, I didn't, I, I don't remember, whatever, I'm 14. It's amazing I can remember any details about it, the guy's car, for example, but I don't, I, I, I don't know. Wow. Maybe, maybe, it wasn't a, maybe it was a Parisienne, was that a, a Pontiac? Anyway. That's maybe, worse I, than turning around and crying in the booth. Oh, yeah. No, it's Chris it, Dr- it, terrible. Oh, my gosh. It's terrible. Now, in my... There's no defense. No, it, there's not. Can I try? You sure? This we're we're not we're not in a VCR era. We're not nope. in an era where you're you know, anybody would be familiar with the concept of 
I'm taping that so I can watch it later. No spoiler. I mean, the the network, ABC, was doing that. Like, we, we weren't equipped to do that. So we weren't yet at a point where you would have been thinking about whether or not people knew about this outcome or were trying to save it for later or anything like did I miss how did you know I don't remember how I knew the game was the game was at five o'clock when we left to go to this dance I knew the result um and I, I I don't remember if I watched it on CBC before I went to this school event or if I just heard it on the radio or something before we went but somehow I knew that the U.S. had won. By the time we got in the backseat of that car, I knew that the U.S. had had pulled the upset and, this, and beat the Russians. This poor guy. And this poor guy, Mark Krabczynski's dad. Uh, <laughs> and he just turned, he's holding the steering wheel and he just turned around right, really slowly right, like, right. what did you just say? Yeah, I, I have not had, I did see, th- this gentleman came to see me and Mike quite a long time ago now at a remote somewhere i, I remember and uh, it, of course it trips the wire you know yeah, yeah, seeing either, him yeah. uh but it's not he, he didn't show up to remind me of that it was just like hey this kid grew up in the neighborhood and he's a big shot on the radio now i'm gonna stop in and say hi and it was like oh hey mr kropchinski nice to see you um but I, I i i don't know um i don't remember having a thought like Oh, I'm going to be a wise guy and ruin this for him sure. or anything. I, I think I just. Oh, you didn't know, idiot. I was just. In, yeah, they won. I was just innocent enough. Just, hey, you know, we win that game. Like I was excited. Like I had this information, and I'm going to share it. Like it, it's you, you're going to be happy when you watch the rest of this very dramatic landmark sporting event that I just ruined for you. Yeah. Sorry, dude. I just yeah. <laughs> blew it. I totally blew it. Well, you know, it's funny because to this day, my my grandfather, I, I don't I don't know why this. Why I, I'm sure he has a good reason behind it. I don't know. Maybe he just isn't around to watch games. But he's he's a big Yankees fan, and he DVRs every Yankee game, and then watches them later. He has the innocence of not being on social media, mm-hmm. um, but you know, we'll come for like lunch, and he'll note that when we're there for lunch, nobody tell me the score of the. Me and my dad hate the Yankees. We're like, don't worry, we aren't watching. Mm-hmm. We're like, we we aren't we right. haven't started to watch. I'm not going to look online for the score. You don't have to warn so us every t- time, but t- someone. But, but he will. He just. Uh, I, you get an alert on your phone that Aaron Judge just hit his 50th home run of the season. Sure. Don't tell me. Don't tell him. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's just it's funny to me that every time he he still records almost every game, but every time we go there, he wants to make sure like someone hurt him when he was younger. Like someone ruined a good game, like you're talking about, and now the burden has been placed on his grandkids to n- <laughs> not talk about a team that we wouldn't talk about anyways otherwise. So this guy's last name isn't Kropchinsky, is it? It's not I, the same it, guy. It, wouldn't, it be, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't it be something? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I really do. I um I wish I knew you I would think if I had watched it live, I would remember that. It was on CBC, so we would have been able to do that. Um, I think. I mean, it's it, you know, this is I don't even know. It's still pre-cable, probably. So it's you know over the air, but we would get those channels. Um, I guess maybe depending on the day. But I don't remember. I I think I'm 14. So you're, I, I, you're, you guys are purely listening to this game. Yeah. Okay. I I th- I think or or maybe 
the maybe the the news or something had it or I, I or maybe other olympic coverage mentioned that they had won the game I, I don't know i just know i knew maybe it was on the radio and i heard it on the radio that they had won the game I, and i'm like surprised that. in that era where you're doing taping and you're playing delayed games where like they would want anyone to even mention it on yeah things. right like don't even just pretend it didn't even happen right well that yeah i i want that's why i'm i can't remember if i I don't think I heard it. I don't think they would have made a point of mentioning it on ABC's yeah, Olympic coverage. Like, I don't think so. Hey, this game's coming up. <laughs> nod, nod, wink, wink. You're going to want to watch. You're going to want to tune in. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be landmark. Yeah, I don't. It definitely wasn't that. Uh, uh, I'm pretty confident. But it could have been on Canadian TV or maybe the radio. I, I was a geek. I, I, I listened to the radio. So I, I might have. I, mean, I, I listened to the radio. You know, when I was a kid. Yeah, and we I, had TVs. And I got somebody tweeting at me that like Irv Weinstein mentioned it at some point during a drop-in during the game, even maybe. But I don't. I don't remember that. I was at a dance. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I was yupping it up. I was you know out back of the gym stealing cigarettes from somebody probably or something. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you did at a junior high dance. Eight oh three oh five fifty. At least in nineteen eighty anyway. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the number. Uh, Ed is first up this segment. Hi, Ed. Thank you for calling. You're on WGR. Hey, guys. Um, hey, I, I actually remember what um, how I found out about it. And uh, so they had, uh, you know, how they they, forked, they they talk about the upcoming news broadcast and whatever. And they mm-hmm. were, they actually, I think it was like the 5 or 5.30, whatever, whenever the news was on. They said, uh, so, you know, they, they acknowledged that the game was already played. So it must have been like the 6 o'clock news. And then they said, you know, if you don't want to know the result of the game, or I think it was the game was in progress at the time, right. look away from the TV screen, and then they showed you the score, and then you had the option of looking or not looking. I actually didn't look. I didn't want to know because I wanted to watch the game, and you know, when it was on later on. So, yeah. But that's how they that's how they got some people to know what was going on. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. I I don't the game. The result, the final result being on the evening news seems unlikely because I, I, I looked it up today, yeah, 5 o'clock. Over, yeah. No. yeah, the game started at 5. So even even for, you know, different era, like I don't know how, what kind of commercial breaks there would have been in Olympic hockey, but you still are looking at two hours to get the yeah. game done, uh, I think. Right. I at, think it was in progress. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, you know, it was like the end of the second period or something like that, and yep. it showed you the, you know, the partial result, and you could look if you wanted to or not. Yep. Good, good job. Thank you, Ed. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I, it's one, the one piece of this that I just do not have is how I knew that I, you know, but I, I know I, I certainly remember ruining it for my, my neighbor's dad. <laughs> There's no question about that. Craig, Craig, next up on WGR. Hi, Craig. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring up a point that I, I'm not sure if you guys had mentioned earlier, but if you remember back uh, just before that game happened, the Olympic game, with the Russians, I think the Sabres had their game with the Red Army, the game they won 6-1, to one, and I was wondering if maybe Craig Patrick or uh, Coach Brooks were at that game or might have, you know, called the Sabres afterwards and said, hey, let's go for coffee and we need to talk about what you did to shut them down. <laughs> that was you know? how you did it, yeah. I don't know. I remember them playing, of course, the Soviet Wings before that. Um, I think that's 76. But that uh, wouldn't have been their A team, right? I, well, the, the the first time the Sabres played was the Soviet Wings. The Red Army team was the was their top team, but I don't know how different that would have been from the Olympic team 
itself. I, I think I think the common knowledge back in those days was the Red Army was their most powerful club right, team, right. and they would supply at least half of the Olympic team. So if you're getting a head like a scouting report mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on half of the Olympic team before you're going to play them, you would think maybe the Sabres had some communication with the Olympic people after they beat them. Yeah, maybe. I, I've never I've never heard uh, of that, but it was it in '76 when they played them. That that's the game against the Soviet uh, no, Wings. That was the I think that was the Wings. I think it was '80 yeah. when we played there at the Red Army. All right, Craig, thank you. We'll, we'll figure yeah, that out and, and do, do some Googling. I know they played both teams. The first one was the Soviet Wings, and they clobbered them, like 13-6 to 6 or something. Um, and then a few years later, they played the, the, the Red Army team. Um, but I've never thought about connecting it to the 1980 Olympics um, in the way that the caller is. So I, I'm, I'm not denying that there, there is a connection there. I just I guess I've, I've never really thought about it. So I've never heard whether or not um, – you know the the hierarchy, the leadership of Team USA ever like picked the Sabers' brains about it. What what are you you're you're sighing? Yeah, you I'm just can't, can't find that. No, other I'm just game? looking at this. How awesome this is, and like right. why nothing <laughs> remotely as cool as this ever happens anymore. And so any sports, yeah, like, and I, I'm the thing that's popping up the most is when they played the Wings in 1976. They won 12 to six. 12 to six. Okay, yeah, and. um yeah, like I just think that's really, really cool. Yeah, that was incredible. That 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 was the first time. Oh God, I'm, I don't want to botch it because I'm already feeling like on the ropes about this 1980 thing that the caller brought up. But they they beat them, and it was the first time an NHL team had beaten them. And then a few nights later, the Sabers played a regular season game in Montreal and got a standing ovation mm. from the Canadian crowd. The Canadiens crowd. That's uh, awesome. because of that. Yeah, that's awesome. It has it here that the Wings played four NHL teams. They beat three of them: Pittsburgh, Chicago, right. and the Islanders. The Sabers are the only team to beat them. And then the Red Army. They played in the states in '75. They beat the Rangers, tied Montreal, beat Boston, and lost to Philadelphia. So only two NHL teams were able to beat them during an eight-game run. Okay. Thank you for that. Let's squeeze in Becky here. Becky, you're on WGR. Thank you for calling. Hi. Um, so the first date with my ex-husband um, was to go to see the U.S. Olympic hockey team play Princeton at um, Nichols High School. Wow. <laughs> and they were warming up. So it was like the end of 79 or the beginning of 1980. Uh-huh. And what I knew about hockey was first they all skate one way and then they all skate the other way. But <laughs> we went to see this game and like there were scotty bowman was in the row behind us scouting the team i can't remember who won um but it was it certainly it sparked my desire to watch hockey and i do remember watching and listening to al michaels um you know with his call about miracles it was it was neat but it was really interesting to uh you know have the opportunity to go and see them as they were getting ready for the for the big olympics that is awesome. That is so cool. You, you really just hit me with nickels. Like, that is so, so cool. Thank you, uh, Becky. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Let's see. I have found oh, – come on. Let me find the date. Okay. January 1980, Sabres played the Soviet Red Army at the odd and won 6-1. to one. So, yeah. 
that's um that, that I mean that lines up like the caller said. I I have never ever thought about that connection. And remind me again because I maybe this is I I, I watched the movie so like I, I know most of the background of the game and it's itself in the, that Olympic run up. Why, why didn't they play any? Why didn't they pick any NHL players? The NHL wasn't allowing them to play in the Olympics. Was that the? It was just an amateur. Yeah, it was truly amateur. Yeah. Had had the NHL players not played in the Olympics? No. Never played in the Olympics. No. No. It was it was an amateur endeavor entirely. It wasn't until oh my gosh. I mean, I think you're in you're in you're into like Hashik with the Czech Republic before the pros are in the Olympics. Ninety eight. Really? Might be might I, I, I Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Think, yeah. Yeah. But in reality, like, and which is why the Soviets and, were always very good, is like, right, they basically were, the KHL. They, they were training year-round, grown men, professionals, yeah. like, whatever, pl- paid by the state, and, like, we had just a bunch of college kids. Yeah, that was that was that's okay. that's a key element of the yeah, upset yeah, yeah. is right. that you know I just didn't know why yeah, NHL players weren't playing that, in it again. That makes just, more sense. Yeah. It's an amateur endeavor entirely. Interesting. All right, cool. Great calls on hockey. <laughs> uh, glad to have it. We'll take a time out here. Shift gears into some football. Joe Goodberry uh, on the Bengals. Interesting off season for them. What are they going to do with T Higgins? Um, that and that's at, certainly at the top of the list. We'll get into that and more with Joe after this. Nate Geary's in for Mike Shope. I'm the Bulldog, and you're listening to WGR. Browning looking. Pressure throws it deep, and the ball is caught by T. Higgins at the one-yard line. And it's actually called a touchdown. Right there, feels the pressure, throws it up. T. Higgins again on the Caleb Evans, goes up, makes the catch two feet down. It's a completion, reaches the ball. Wow. Nylon and goes over top of it, Chris. One of the catches of the year in the NFL, courtesy of T. Higgins of the Cincinnati Bengals, our guest on the Western Hotline, 
very familiar with Higgins and the Bengals, of course. Joe Goodberry with us here on the line to talk about the Bengals offseason. And I, I guess uh, issue number one is is right there for us, T. Higgins, and what the way forward is going to be with him. Joe, it's nice to talk to you again. Uh, Chris here along with Nate Geary. Uh, how's the offseason treating you so far? Uh, it's going good so far. Thanks for having me on, guys. You know, just hearing that sound of that play, it, it brought a smile to my face. I haven't seen that in a while, but yes, what a crazy play that was. Yeah. How um, I, I think of you, and I think, I guess, of Bengals fans in, in this context, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but, you know, we think about the Bills here in Buffalo, and I talk about the Bills for a living, and, you know they've had they've had this this problem hitting their head on the same ceiling here year after year divisional round one one year to the Bengals couple times to the Chiefs now and just can't get over the hump and one thing i think about when i think of the Bengals is how how good a year it looked like you were about to be on track to have after Burrow sort of you know got got healthy and then the injury and like the Bills have not had that problem Josh Allen has played all of these games and i just Man, th- to have that quarterback and have the year you had is uh, it's a tough way to go. It's a weird feeling, right? Because when you have a conclusive end to your season, whether that's in the playoffs or however it goes, you you kind of have like a lasting image of well, the offensive line needs to get better, or the receivers have to be better. We got to be more dynamic at running back, whatever it is for your team. But when the quarterback goes down, you kind of throw all the papers in the air at that point and you say, whatever, whatever happens, let's right. just enjoy it and enjoy the ride and let's see how it goes. But it also hurts the evaluation. Like It's hard to tell how good that right tackle ended up being for you or that tight end ended up being because Joe Burrow wasn't out there. And while they got good production and while it was still fun to watch them, it, the evaluation portion of it did make it really hard. And now you sit here and it's kind of like, yeah, let's retool and go back for it. But you have so many pieces that are uh, scheduled to be gone and leaving in free agency that it's not really a run it back situation. Yeah, it, it's tough. Are, are you? Do you feel like yourself, or do you sense from uh, your 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 audience, people that consume your work, that fans are a little worried that Burrow has had two season ending injuries in in only a short time in the league? Yeah, I, I think people are worried, or at least concerned about it. Um, I, I think there's two sides. But one side is, yes, he's had injuries, and they've been weird injuries too, like the appendix blowing up the first week of, of camp two years ago to even the calf straining on its own, on you know, non-contact, just running in your calf, calf pops and tears. Uh, that, you know, those are kind of random and just happen. But when they keep piling up, you kind of go, all right, what's going on here? I remember he transferred from Ohio State because he broke his wrist or his hand and he wasn't able to compete for the job. Uh, he's had multiple things happen. Even at LSU, the, the year before his final year, he ended that year hurt as well. Um, just small things. And he, he retweaked his meniscus and his knee in the Super Bowl. Uh, if you remember, Stafford and Burrow both got beat up in that game. So there's been things. You may remember also the neck contusion. Mm-hmm. Where he's running out and he gets hit, and they're like, "What is a neck contusion for the next three days?" And he couldn't <laughs> talk to the media for two weeks. So I don't know if they're using it as an excuse or he was really, really hurt. But it's weird, and it's a lot of things. And I think the one part is, all right, we're concerned, but what are you going to do about it? He's your quarterback; you just signed him, so right. like, let's keep him healthy, I guess. And and when he's been healthy, the two times they've gotten to the AC Championship and the Super Bowl and almost won both those games, three point losses. It's like, all right, so. He's going to, he may be more prone to injury. 
So let's keep him healthy. Let's not let him get hit as much as possible. And when he is healthy, even if that is half the time, you feel pretty confident you're going to make a run in those seasons. Joe, I'm you know, going to ask you about the, the pending free agents that everyone's really talking about. Jake Browning. <laughs> no, but really. I, 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 before we get into the really cool, you know, the, the T. Higgins and the, you know, the, the guys, the consequence. I, I actually, the reason I wanted to ask you about Jake Browning is because, you know, obviously this free agent period is headlined by Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins. And um, I, I got to admit, uh, I did not expect the <laughs> Bengals to be in the heat of a playoff race towards the end of the year with Jake Browning at quarterback. I remember Jake Browning in college and the arm punts that he would throw up, his arm to me. He did not really give you the I'm an NFL quarterback tools vibes, right? Um, but then he steps into an offense that, you know, I think if there's probably an offense that doesn't really require that, you know, all-world arm, it's this one. Um, are you at all surprised? How about this? Before I even ask you the question, let me ask you this question. If Jake Browning was the starting quarterback of the New York Jets, how many are they winning more games this year? Because it feels like, to me, the guys at the top of the quarterback free agent lists – you know, Baker's good, coming off a great season, and Kirk Cousins coming off a torn Achilles. And I'm wondering maybe why Browning isn't he doesn't necessarily be in that group of guys, but isn't he being talked about as a guy that might or has at least earned a shot to be a starter somewhere this year? Okay, so, yeah, there's a few things there. First, unique for Bengals fans because at Washington, where Browning was, we were watching John Ross, if you remember the Bengals take yes. Ross, number nine overall, and we're like, man, who is this quarterback? He stinks. Like, <laughs> Ross is bailing this guy out like crazy. Well, Ross isn't on the team, and it's, you know, four years later, Jake Browning is, and we're like, yeah, that guy's going to start. This is going to go great. And uh, he did. He played really well, and the offense was really well designed around him in most of the games. Some of the games, they dropped him into a Joe Burrow offense, and it didn't really work, so they had to scale some things back and change some things. But that's a mark of a good offense and good coordinator, which yep. is why I think Brian Callahan got the job in Tennessee. And also the Bengals quarterback's coach was offered, um, or was going to be offered, the offense coordinator job for the Saints, and he was promoted instead in Cincinnati. So I think the work with Browning got these guys some work and, and, and got – got them promotions elsewhere. Uh, but if he was with the Jets, I don't know, because I still have questions about the Jets' offense as a whole. Like, we keep saying, hey, if they have better quarterback play, they're going to you know, be this team, be that team. But yet they can't find a way to get better quarterback play, and I get it. The guys stink, but you got to at least get, like, Jake Browning level, right? you got to get Josh Dobbs level, something out of these guys, and they rarely are able to do that. Um, and to, to get to the final point, why he's not being talked about is because he's an exclusive rights-free agent, mm. meaning the Bengals have his right, and they only have to offer him the minimum salary, which I think is about $920,000 this year, and he's, he has to sign. He doesn't have a choice. So that's for the next two years, I believe. Or he's, it's exclusive this year and then restricted next year. They have his rights for a long time. You'd have to come and blow off their doors with a trade offer if someone really wanted him because that's a cheap backup that you know can run the offense. Right, so that 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 pretty much Answer rules that, that out. There's no question he'll be he'll be Joe Burrow's backup yep. next year, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So the 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 big the big issue here is T Higgins. I, I can remember talking with you about T Higgins. I think last off season, knowing this year was coming, and so we're here now. Um, this certainly appears to be a player that should 
if he were to hit the open market, deserves number one wide receiver attention and number one wide receiver money. What What's the best way for the Bengals to handle this? Do you think they franchise him for a year? Because having Chase waiting in the wings for his big contract seems almost like a disqualifier to give Higgins one. Yeah, you're right. And that's the probably the biggest discussion outside of Cincinnati is, well, you can't pay two receivers. You can't pay two number one type receivers, 25, 30 million, whatever it's going to be. Once Chase gets around to it, maybe 35 and 40 million. Once Justin Jefferson (laughs) and CD lamb get their deals, it could get crazy. Um, So yeah, that makes it very tough. It goes from being when they went to the Super Bowl, 14% of their cap to potentially 35% of their cap, depending on how those numbers go for the trio of Burrow, Brown or Burrow, uh, Chase and Higgins. So it's tough. You you want to keep those guys, yes, but can you afford to? And and is it the smartest way to build your roster and handle business? And I don't know that it is, uh, but I do think the Bengals will franchise tag T Higgins. And we did talk last year. It was right after Duke Tobin their player personnel guy said, go find your own T Higgins. We're not trading them. And I believed it wholeheartedly. They were not going to trade them. They, they believe they're in the Super Bowl window. You have a young, cheap asset that was $4 million against the cap last year. Why would you trade somebody like that? If you're, if you're planning on winning something, um, it didn't go that way, obviously. And this year it's going to be about 21.7 million to franchise tag him, which is a chunk of money. And that's all, you know, guaranteed cash money. You can't lower that cap hit unless you're extending him. So it really hamstrings you a little bit. And sure, they have $60 million to spend this year. They're in great cap shape. They're in great cap health for the next few years, even with signing Burrow and Jamar Chase. But that is an indication that they have some holes on their roster and they have some other issues that they need to fill, whether that's on the offensive line and defensive line, they have running back and tight end and uh, corner. And so, yes, is, are they going to franchise tag him? I think they are. Are they going to trade him? Are they going to extend him? I do not think either of those things are going to happen. Very low chance on an extension, maybe a chance on a trade, but because of they'll need the money and they they know they have to extend Jamar Chase shortly after, if not this offseason, very quickly in the next offseason. Right. With that in mind, what is is Tyler Boyd also up? He's a free agent, yep. Right. Okay, so that that cuz that that might be one one thing that would be against the idea of the trade because this is the this is the we're, we're in an era here we saw the Chiefs do this with Tyreek Hill we saw the Packers do this with Devontae Adams um and you know heading into where the cap will start to get tricky once Burrow is into his new contract and like you say once you get into Chase's new contract it, it could be advantageous to have an extra pick or two that you could get in a T Higgins trade. I'm thinking of, you know, the Vikings trading away Stefan Diggs even, um, and, and getting a first round pick for it. I mean, they certainly struck gold by replacing him with Justin Jefferson and now he's ready for a new contract too. But yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, does the, the idea of trading him and sort of taking a bit of a step back at, at least roster wise in the off season, I don't know. How tough a sell is that for you, and how tough a sell do you think that it would be for Bengals fans? I think it's the toughest sell for the Bengals themselves as an organization. They're notoriously hard to trade with because they value their own players more than what teams are offering. And this is throughout history. Teams have come in and said, hey, we'll give you this, we'll give you that. We'll give you two first-round picks from Chad Johnson, who was the Redskins at the time. Bengals said no. Um, So, like, they they were not going to trade Carson Palmer unless they got two first round picks it was a first ended up being a second because of the uh, parameters in the trade but they are notoriously hard because they will say we want a first round pick for t higgins and we'll accept nothing less 
And in this draft class and in free agency, I mean, there's a lot of good receivers out there. And I think receivers becoming kind of a weird position where every team's got two, maybe three, sometimes four on some of these teams. Not And not number one guys, not Higgins. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But guys you can go to if you have the franchise quarterback. And every team, uh, and the, you look in the first round mocks, like how many teams are taking these? You guys are probably looking at receiver right now, right? Looking at these mocks. Yeah, big time. Brian yeah. Thomas, yeah. If Brian Thomas ends up being there, you're like, yeah, great. But if not, you, you look in these mocks and you're like, hey, second, third round. There's a bunch of guys that you could draft, and I think it probably hurts T. Higgins' value a little bit. And he's coming off his worst year. Uh, he dealt with injuries. Then Joe Burrow gets hurt, so it's kind of explainable. Uh, but at the same time, he's only played about 65% of his offensive snaps in his four years with the Bengals. So he's had his share of injuries. And now you don't get the cheap year that A.J. Brown had left on his deal, uh, in which is how he got a first plus, I, I think it'd be a little bit harder for a team to come and say, all right, we're going to give you a first round pick and we can just sit there. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. take Troy Franklin at 25 or whatever it may be. Joe, were you at all surprised by the bounce back season the Bengals got from Joe Mixon? Because, you know, obviously in 2022, he has a one of his worst seasons um, since entering the league and really becoming the primary starter outside of that 2020 season uh, where he was injured for most of the year, but has 1,200 yards in 2021, then dips down to 814 yards and one of his lowest yards per carry output under four yards a carry, um, and really kind of has a resurgence at 28 years old. And I, I guess I, I, as a fantasy guy, I was surprised. It was kind of a guy I was staying the hell away from, to be honest, in most fantasy drafts. But he's set to make $8.85 million this year, which is the sixth highest salary cap hit of any running back in the league. Last year of the contract, are you just expecting they're going to ride this one out for one more year with Joe Mixon and then maybe try to draft his replacement this year? Like, What are you maybe guys looking at, at the, on the offensive side, particularly a running back, uh, maybe a position that, that isn't getting talked about because of the you know pending free agents of, of T. Higgins and, and Tyler Boyd? Yeah, I think he was under the radar last year in fantasy because he was dealing with some legal issues at that time. You know, I remember in July and August when people were doing their drafts, and then he took a pay cut. The Bengals approached him about a pay cut, uh, not a restructure. They wanted to reduce his salary completely or face being released in the Delvin Cook-type situation when you don't know if you'll find a spot. And so they were able to convince him to take that pay cut, and it's down to 8.75 this year, as you've said. Uh, Yeah, 1,400 total yards. I mean, in 12 touchdowns, that looks like a great year. They also gave him the second largest share of touches in any backfield in the league, only behind Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. They didn't use their backups enough at all. So mm-hmm. Mixon had 300-plus touches, but then when you got to see Chase Brown in the second half of the year, everyone was like, oh, 
That's <laughs> at running back. There's some explosiveness. There's a guy that can turn two yards on the 15 real fast. There's a guy that can take a screen and go 50 yards. And I think everyone's like, I understand now what we're missing at running back a little bit. It's it's the explosiveness. It's it's the ability to make a guy miss and outrun that unblocked defender. So while Mixon's been really durable for the most part and doesn't fumble at all, uh, which is always great and good qualities, I think they are considering cutting him and going with somebody else. And even if that's a cheaper veteran option plus a third-round pick, fourth-round pick, whatever it may be, he's got a $3 million and $28 dollar for his number, uh, bonus on March 18th. The legal tampering period starts March 11th. It gives them one week to decide if they're going to keep Joe Mixon or not. I expect the Bengals to be talking to a lot of veteran running backs in that week. Joe Goodberry on the Western Hotline with us for just a few more minutes here on WGR. Always on top of the Bengals here for uh, for uh, fans on Twitter. You can find them there at the Joe Goodberry. I believe that that's still the handle, right? I'm not looking at it right now, Joe but Joe Goodberry. I, okay, Joe Goodberry. Good. Um, well, so what what else here? We we covered Higgins. We've covered Mixon. We even talked about backup quarterback. Um, what what else is on the on the agenda? What's on the on the concern list for Bengals heading into uh, the combine and eventually the draft in a few weeks? So their two biggest free agents are probably their two biggest needs. It continues to be offensive line, but they are set to lose Jonah Williams. Their starting right tackle of last year was their starting left tackle for four years previous to that. Uh, he's been a solid player. He's only 26 years old, former first round pick. I expect he's going to get. Uh, more money than the Bengals are probably interested in spending. Uh, he's been in, you know, even an average offensive lineman, especially tackle, gets overpaid in free agency. So I just don't think it lines up for what, what they want to do. Does that mean you can go out and find a capable, maybe older starter at right tackle? Or is it in a strong, and we talked about strong receiver classes this year, the offensive tackle class is ridiculously strong. Can you sit there and wait at 18 and take that guy? So I'm excited for the for the testing at the combine coming up and see how many of these they're all six five to six seven and 340 pounds it's like how many of these guys are going to be elite athletes and if they are how far are they going to get pushed up the board and then the other spot is dj reader at defensive tackle he's a nose tackle specifically uh they could use a new nose if, if it's not him he's going to be 30 years old Bengals typically don't like to sign free agents that are over that mark um, but he's been a good player for them and he tore his quad and missed the second half of the year, and it, they, it could be a value situation where the money's not there for him, and he can stay in Cincinnati and rehab. I wouldn't be surprised if they found common ground there and kept him for a year or two. But even with DJ Reader, if they lose him or not, they need to find more athleticism and pass rush inside. And I think that could be the, also the first-round pick. If Johnny Newton, who reported today that uh, he had a foot injury and had to have surgery and he should be ready by April by the time draft comes. That's what any agent would say, so that makes sense. Uh, but, you know, he's projected to be a top-20 pick. He could be in that spot at 18. And Byron Murphy, the defensive tackle from Texas, same thing. Athletic, great production profile. Had to play nose at Texas because they were very weird with their defensive fronts. You didn't get to see a lot of film with him doing what he's supposed to do. He's going to be a three-tech in the NFL and, and win with that athleticism. Uh, so the film makes it a little bit scary, but everything else about him is really, really nice from him profile standpoint so i expect him to blow up the combine in two weeks let me squeeze one in here too joe uh i you guys lose brian callahan you know tough uh tough loss and it's crazy the the remind me the new offensive coordinator's name he's a Cortland grad played played at Cortland and from from here in in you know western new york i don't know if you knew that bulldog but pitcher he did play quarterback there he played quarterback yeah yeah won won a d3 championship at uh at Cortland. so all right for for your knowledge but what the real question i was going to ask you is 
How in the hell did Lou Anarumo end up with a job? I mean, right now, in my money, right there with Spagnuolo is one of the best defensive coordinators in football. Um, I, I'm just I'm waiting for him to get a head coaching job so he can stop terrorizing Josh Allen this Bills offense. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Lou. And sometimes it just might be the defensive position that doesn't get promoted to a head coaching job right around the league. I think if teams have their preference, they're going to take an offensive guy every time. Uh, but Lou is kind of – he came from nowhere, I think. When the Bengals hired him, he wasn't really high on anyone's radar. And then he had a couple rough years to start in Cincinnati, and we weren't really sure if he was the guy either. And even this past year, after they lose it, lost Jesse Bates and, and Vaughn Bell at safety, they ended up being like the 31st-ranked defense and, and 32nd in explosive plays given up. So I wasn't expecting him to get a head coaching job. But I, I you're right in mentioning him, him with Spags because I think – there is defense can be volatile from year to year. You can have really good numbers and you get into the playoffs and you get 30 points dropped on you. I mean, I don't know. Specifically it's awfully specific. It's awfully specific, yeah, Joe. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> but the point is you need a guy that maybe the stats or the numbers aren't that great, but they're a big game defensive coordinator. Can they put a game plan together on that week to, for that opponent and be multiple and put that quarterback in a bind just enough to get you out of that game against I mean, the AFC is going to be a gauntlet for however many years against really good quarterbacks. If you've got a guy that can do that, I think he's the right guy. So I'm glad he's back because despite the rankings this year, I think he's a good coordinator. Joe, excellent job as always. Uh, Please enjoy the spring, and we'll uh, look forward to talking with you, I'm sure, sometime post-draft or something into the summer, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Take care, guys. That is at Joe Goodberry on the old Twitter X machine, uh, providing Bengals, NFL draft, film content, YouTuber, just a lot of good content uh, for Joe. 803-0550 is the number. I'm torn here. Football ideas. We haven't really talked much football except for visiting with Joe. I've enjoyed the hockey conversation. We'll sort of see where we end up going when uh, we get through the break and the update here. Uh, we'll, t- we'll, t- we'll take a- we'll take the temperature of the room and figure out how to proceed uh, from here to the wire. Nate Geary's in for Mike Shope along with Zach Jones. I'm the Bulldog, and you're listening to WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.